Let's open to our Bibles tonight again to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Praise God. Anybody read 12, 13, and 14 lately? Yeah, praise God. Some of you have had an opportunity to do that. I did too this morning. Glory to God. I'm believing that you and I and all of us will receive fresh light, fresh revelation. Praise God about this wonderful subject. Uh, if you were not here, uh, we started a couple of services ago, actually a week ago this uh, tonight, uh, on a new uh, series called The Holy Spirit and His Gifts. And uh, we're excited about it. Praise God. And uh, so, Father, we just come tonight. We are looking and expecting you to reveal unto us in new and fresh ways the meaning, the purpose, the, uh, the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. And God, we desire these things. We choose to be hungry for the manifestations of the Holy Ghost because as you are free and able to manifest yourself as you see fit, the church will be edified. The church will be built up. People will be helped. The Lord will be magnified the devil will be put on the run. You will receive glory and we will win great victories. And so, Father, we're going to believe you tonight to help us take another step in this regard. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we'll begin reading here in the first verse. Probably skip around a little bit, but we want to read the uh, 31st verse uh, before we jump into what we're going to talk about tonight. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. So uh, I don't believe that uh, if the Holy Spirit through Paul did not want the church at Corinth all those years ago to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, that God would want the church in Paducah to be ignorant, uninformed, or misinformed about spiritual gifts. And uh, so praise God. Now skip down to verse number four. It says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. That just simply means that there are different kinds of gifts. They're not all the same, but there's one spirit that operates those gifts, the Holy Ghost. Then there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. You know, if you went into two doctor's offices, both of those doctors would have administrative systems in their office. They would probably have some similarities, but I guarantee you there would be some big differences mixed in there as well, right? So you could have the same field, a medical office, but the administration's going to be a little bit different. That's what he's saying about these gifts. You could have the same gift, but you know, a gift in me may be admi administrated a little bit different than the same gift might be administrated through somebody else's life or ministry. Amen? So that's what he means by that, I believe. And then in verse 6 says, There are diversities or different kinds of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. In other words, he just simply means there that these different gifts operate differently through different people. And, uh, you know, and, and they can operate differently through the same person, but in one instance, a gift of healing operate one way, maybe through the laying on of hands, and in another way, it's just a spoken word. Does that make sense? So these gifts, uh, are, they operate different ways. You know, if you take three numbers, just one, two, three, we have three numbers. You have the number one, two, and three. But if you turn that into a combination lock, you now have multiplied possibilities. Well, there are nine gifts of the Spirit, right? So we know how many gifts there are. 
but they're each administrated differently and they operate differently. So you're going to have all kinds of different combination possibilities with these gifts. So you have to come biblically focused, but with an open mind when it comes to how the gifts of the Spirit are going to operate. Uh, You know, I was uh, told that uh, you could read books about it, that during the height of the Azusa Street Revival, way back there in uh, Los Angeles, California, that Dad Seymour would come down uh, out of an upper loft into this rough building. It used to be like a milk barn or something like that. And uh, come down with a milk crate on his head. And he would just sit there with that milk crate on his head uh, until God would tell him to do what he wanted him to do. He might have that milk crate on his head for an hour or more. Well, you'd come and if you weren't openly mi- open-minded, you might you know, be quick to criticize. Right? But they had all kinds of miracles. All kinds of creative miracles take place during that time. They said the glory of God was in such thick, tangible manifestation in the form of a cloud that the younger kids, they didn't have classrooms like we do today with designated ministry to age-focused kids. They were just all there. And it's kind of hard to keep those whippersnappers focused in a service. But even in the midst of that glory, those kids be running around the back playing hide and seek in that glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. But they said in that atmosphere, uh, you know, whole limbs that had been amputated or missing would grow out. All kinds of creative things. Amen. Hey, if I don't care, milk crate, no milk crate, to be in an atmosphere where an arm grows out, or an eyeball forms in a socket where there was none. Praise God. I, I'm going to make myself all for it. If God's getting glory, I'm all for it. Amen. And uh, so anyway, praise God. Notice verse 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healings. Now, you you may, if you have a King James Bible and you see me or hear me saying healings, and it says healing, in the Greek it's plural. Both gifts and healings is plural. I think a new King James Bible corrects that in its translation. That it's plural on both words, gifts and healings. So even within that one gift... That reveals to you there are multiple different gifts of healings. And we'll get into that in uh, great detail, but one of the ways you see this is that God will especially use some people uh, to open up blind eyes. But they they don't ever have deaf ears opened in their ministry. Now how come? Well, I don't know, but I'm not God. Evidently, they've got a gift that opens up works on eyes, but not ears. See, it goes again to what we were talking about Sunday. We need each other. God has not invested all that He has in any one person. Because then it'd just be about them. Amen. But we each, praise God, have been endowed by God supernaturally to function in different ways. Now, you may not have the gifts of healings operate in your life at all. Amen. But you should still lay hands upon the sick. What do you mean? Well, why? Because we're all commanded to lay hands on the sick, knowing they shall recover. Yeah. 
they shall recover. Amen. That's Mark 16. Hallelujah. So, see, uh, the gifts of healing is not the only way that you can receive healing for your body. You can just take the promise of God, feed that promise into your spirit, grab hold of it with your faith, and believe you re- really that's the highest way. Amen. One of the things we have to understand about these gifts is that they operate as the Spirit wills. You can't just come in and flip a switch, and, or I would just do that every service. We'd have gifts of healings every service. But you know, I'm not God. But that doesn't mean if the gifts of healings is not an operation that people can't receive healing. You pray the prayer of agreement and get healed. You could act on James 5 and have an elder of the church pray the prayer of faith over you and anoint you with oil and receive healing that way. Amen. Praise God. So, anyway, uh, that's why that is plural. Then it says, and to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these works that one and the selfsame Spirit dividing to every man severally as He wills. Amen. Skip down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church. Now, I would be very cautious if I were you about taking out of the church that something God put in. People are so quick to say there aren't apostles today. So quick to say there's no prophets today. So quick to say supernatural healings passed away. Miracles, the age of miracles, that's passed away. Well, where? What I say to you is the burden of proof for that is on you, not people like us who believe they are for us today. Because we have an abundance of Scripture that indicate that God set, like this verse, God set some in the church. God set these gifts in the church. And I can't find a Scripture that tells me when and where He took them out. So the burden is on those people. To prove from the Scriptures that these things have passed away. I don't have enough gumption. I don't have enough boldness to take out something that the Bible says God put in. (laughs) Just because we don't see a lot of these things in manifestation doesn't mean that that's evidence that God took them out. It could mean that the church is just simply missing some things. Amen. That, uh, and that's part of the purpose of getting this series is that if we're missing something, well, let's get it corrected. Hallelujah. So anyway, it says, uh, God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, notice this, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, Diversities of tongues are all apostles. What's the answer to that? No, but as uh, Dad Jacob says, no, but some are. Are all prophets? No, but some are. Are all teachers? No, but some are. Are all workers of miracles? No, but some are. Have all the gifts of healing? 
No, but some do. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Now, some people want to lift that phrase out and see now, yeah, okay, tongues are okay, but not for everybody. You understand that here in this list, he's not talking about the prayer language that comes to every believer with the baptism with the Holy Ghost. This list is talking about offices of ministry and spiritual gifts. Notice the pair, tongues and interpretation. See, that's a tandem gift of the Spirit that flows together when it's in operation. When they're together, they equal prophecy. Amen. And again, we'll get all into that in great detail. But verse 31, notice what this says. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And I wrote into my Bible, meaning way into the gifts. That's what he's talking about. If you've been here in this series, you've heard me say that there are two foundation stones, Dr. Summerall said, and I agree with him, uh, upon which the gifts of the Spirit and their manifestation, their operation, are built. The first one is unity. We've talked a little bit about that. The second one is love. And so we want to talk about love for a few minutes tonight. Here Paul says that love is the more excellent way into the gifts of the Spirit. So before we get into the specifics about the gifts, we want to continue to lay down foundation that will enable us as a church, as many as are willing in our company, to contribute to the kind of atmosphere that is conducive for the Holy Spirit to come and to manifest Himself in these supernatural ways, as He wills. Hallelujah. Now, unity and love are not the only things that contribute to a miraculous atmosphere. One of them is honor. Hallelujah. And uh, that's just not our topic tonight. But you know, uh, Psalms 26 verse 8 says, David said, Oh, how I've loved the habitation of thy house, the place where your honor dwells. So notice the Spirit revealed to David who wrote it down that God, where He dwells, where He lives, there's, a, there's an atmosphere that He chose to dwell in. And it's an atmosphere of honor. Amen? Praise God. And uh, But we've, we've talked about that. We've talked about uh, unity just a little bit. Now we're going to talk about love. Hallelujah. Let's read into the 13th chapter. Paul said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries. See, he's still talking about gifts, right? Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. See, that ha that's because the revelation gifts would be manifesting. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love or charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. And so here Paul is saying that you could have all kinds of gifts, supernatural gifts at work within you, but without love, you're nothing. Without love, you're nothing. 
In other words, the gifts of the Spirit in operation without love, you're just a clanking, a clinking cymbal, right? You don't have somebody just going on with cymbals like that, and it's just irritating really fast, right? In other words, the gifts of the Spirit, the sweetness of them, the preciousness of them, you kind of hollow out those gifts of the Spirit where love is not in operation. Amen. Is it possible to operate in the gifts of the Spirit without love? It, it actually is. He just alluding, alluding to it. I could prophesy under that anointing but not have love. And if I do, I'm nothing. It doesn't amount to anything. It takes love for the gifts of the Spirit to have their full effect. I remember a minister, I won't name his name, way back during the healing revival. And he had all kinds of miracles in his services. He was skillful with the gifts of the Spirit in that era of, of healing. Uh, I, I think it was uh, uh, deaf and dumb. Uh, he had a specific gift along that line. Uh, and he said, I, Brother Hagin said, I, I, I saw him. I was there. He had maybe 10, 12, 13 people. They were all deaf and dumb. And uh, he'd just go down the end of the road and they're all, they could all hear and, and talk fluently when he got done with them. Just, just instantly. Just miraculous things. But there were things about this minister's character that caught up with him. In fact, uh, the Spirit of God told Brother Hagin, you go to this minister and you tell him that if he doesn't judge himself in three areas, he'll be dead soon. And Brother Hagin didn't do it. He had an initial opportunity and then he missed it. He, uh, the minister got to talking to somebody else and then he never did have another occasion uh, to, to bring that message, and within a year and a half or so, the minister was dead in his 30s. Had powerful gifts. Now, one of the things uh, that, uh, you know, of the three, it says, number one, he needs to judge himself about money. See, he'd get the anointing flowing and have gifts of the Spirit operating, and then he'd stop and take an offering. That's not time taking offering. You can't use the anointing of God and the gifts of the Spirit to raise money and receive offerings. You remember when the prophet Elisha, or it was Elijah, whoever, and Naaman came, uh, came to be washed and cleansed and he was healed. And he was so grateful he wanted to give an offering. Elijah said, no, now's not the time to receive an offering. Gehazi thought it was. Elijah said it wasn't. So he went after him and got, got an offering and got leprosy in the event of that. You just can't do that. Amen? Another thing he said, uh, he eats like a pig, he eats like a hog. He needs to judge himself about how he eats. He's way overweight, bad steward of his body. And then the third thing he said, he needs to judge himself in the area of love. His love walk towards his family, towards his fellow brethren in the body of Christ isn't what it ought to be. Well, he never judged himself and he died. So the Bible's serious when he says you could have gifts of the Spirit in operation. You know, you should never follow a ministry because they have gifts of the Spirit in operation. A lot of people get fooled by that. People that I thought were so sharp, raised up under Brother Hagin, best friends of mine get duped into people that I could look at and tell, they're not right. I watched it for 10 minutes. Years ago, a guy down in Florida having big, big meetings and Everybody was all raving about this and la, 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 la. We, Amber and I turned it on. And I mean, within 10 minutes, both she and I, we were both crawling on the inside. That guy's not right. He's going to fall. And I mean, sure enough, he did. But some of our best friends, they drove down there, got hands laid on them, got an impartation. They're way off today. But 
He had miracles. You know, the devil can produce a miracle. The Bible talks about, in the book of Acts, warns believers about lying signs and wonders. Jesus said, you shall know them by their gifts. No, He didn't say you'll know them by their gifts. He said you'll know them by their fruits. You won't know how a man treats his wife if you can. You want to look at their character. Hallelujah. Praise God. Anyway, so we can see here from these first three verses in uh, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians, that uh, without love, we're, we're nothing, even though we might have gifts. Praise God. I was talking to the Lord about this, asking Him to give me some, some insight about this phrase, I show unto you a more excellent way. Uh, I guess one of the ways that you could interpret that scripture is, Paul is, is he saying, instead of gifts, here's a more excellent way. Well, love is superior to gifts. The love of God is superior to gifts. But it's not an either-or choice. Otherwise, the Bible, Paul would be wrong in saying, covet earnestly the gifts, the best gifts. He, he, he's already told us explicitly, have a strong desire for these manifestations. Be zealous for spiritual gifts. And yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Amen. And in talking to God about this, um, praise God, let me find this. He said, love is the motivation behind all spiritual action. And that's why it's the more excellent way. Let me say that again. The love of God is the motivation behind all spiritual action. Now I'm talking about spiritual in the godly realm, not the satanic realm. Every action that God initiates, there's a motivation behind it. There's a motivation behind every spiritual action, and that motivation is love. Right? 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. And so, see, the reason love is a more excellent way is because uh, it's going to make our functioning in the gifts of the Spirit, it'll make our motives right and pure. You know, you could have a wrong motive for desiring spiritual gifts. You really could. You could have a, people who want to prophesy could have a wrong motive. They want to be seen as spiritual. They want to be heard in front of people. They want to manipulate other people's will. So you, you could have a desire for supernatural manifestations and gifts, but your, your motive not be right, your motive not be pure. Yeah. Just like why, why was this minister judged for receiving offerings in the midst of the operation of that healing gift? The motivation was not right. The outcome, people's healing, is wonderful. But God cares not about just outcomes. He cares about motivations. 
And so if we'll make love our, uh, you know, superior in our thinking to the gifts, when the gifts operate, they'll operate through us from a right heart with right motives. That I'm yielding to the Spirit to prophesy, to give a message in tongue, to interpret a tongue, to minister healing, to work a miracle, uh, to operate in the revelation gifts because I love people. Because I, I have the love of God in me and the love of God is working out towards the body of Christ. Right? You know, uh, you shouldn't want to be used in the gifts of the Spirit to be seen or, you know, to be noticed, to be, to, to be distinguished as somebody spiritual or special. We're all special. I'm not special because I have uh, an anointing in my hands for healing. All that makes me is responsible. Doesn't make me more special. Just makes me more responsible. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if this would bless you, or, or, but it's really true. Sometimes I've, you know, uh, been in prayer meetings uh, amongst us and someone takes off in a tongue that they, they want me to interpret and I didn't feel like interpreting right then. Now, see, oh, now here goes Miss Marilyn again. She's going to put a demand on me. Now I'm going to have to yield to the Spirit and, and, and speak out accurately. And I'm not feeling real spiritual right now. Right? Amen. See, these are supernatural and they're perfect gifts, but they're operating through imperfect vessels. Right? But see, it's love and faith that will set aside the feelings of the flesh. Amen. And yield because I'm zealous, I'm desirous for the upbuilding of the body of Christ. You can have a motive for a desire to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. We'll get to it eventually in 1 Corinthians 14. There's a verse in there that says, Seek to excel to the building up of the church. That, that's one of the things that ought to be your motive, and that would be a motive inspired by love. I want to be used in the church because I want the church built up. I want the church edified. And so I'm willing to use my spiritual giftings and my natural giftings and my financial resources and all I have to see the local church built up and the people within it built up. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, the Bible says love builds up. Knowledge puffs up. Love is what's going to build up. But see, because we love, because God's love has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, because the fruit of love is a fruit of the Spirit that is growing and developing in our life, there is going to come a time we're going to find ourselves in a situation where the love of God goes out towards someone and it's going to take a gift of the Spirit to kick in for that love to have action. You see, love does something. Love is not what the world wants to say it is, a feeling, a uh, whatever, this fleeting idea. No, love is an action. Love is a decision. And love, if it's real love, will do something. Love does something. The Apostle John says, let us not love in word, right? But in deed, in action. 
Praise God. People would come up to say and say, uh, I love you, Dr. Summerall. Uh, I only know this because I read books and heard it repeated from Dr. Dufresne. And he'd say, he'd put his hand out and say, when was the last time you gave me an offering? Love does something. Woo, he just kind of bold. He just put him right there on the spot. But see, he's, he's trying to get people to see words are easy when it comes to love. But action's where it's at. So I want to say this again. I thought it was really insightful. Uh, what came up in my heart in prayer this afternoon, love is the motivation behind all spiritual action. That means the highest and the best way into the gifts of the Spirit is to have, have, have the motivation right, which is the love of God in me. You with me in that? Yeah. In other words, you, you could see, uh, think of it this way, the love of God is going to be the trigger that causes the gift of the Spirit to, to manifest. Go over with me to Mark chapter 3. Let's take a look at something. Y'all all right? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Mark chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, it says here, uh, And he entered again, Jesus entered in, uh, again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. Now, I, this is church day. They're, they're, you know, they're in synagogue, they're Jews, right? They're there on Saturday, but for us, it's, the, it's church day. And so the, the spiritual family in the community is there together. And in their midst is a man who has a hand he cannot use. He has got a handicap. You think about all the hindrances and the frustrations and the limitations imposed upon a man. Right? Or any person. Right? Then the whatever social stigmas and people looking funny and all of that that goes with that. And here Jesus sees a man with a withered hand. And his heart, of course, is love for that man. But notice the fellow church members. They're not thinking about the man's plight. They're not thinking about the hardships and the sufferings that the man has endured. The evidence of, of the penalty of sin and the curse upon this planet in that man's body. They're looking to see if Jesus is going to do something that they think is inappropriate for a Sabbath day. Their mindset, they're looking for dirt. They're looking for a reason to accuse, to bring accusation against the right? Oh, don't ever let your heart be anywhere near hard and cold like that. Amen? And so that's what was going on. Verse 3, it says, And he said unto the man that had a withered hand, Stand forth or stand up. And he said unto him, unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil? Is it lawful to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. They weren't going to speak up. And when he had looked around about them with anger, being grieved for, their hardness of their, for the hardness of their hearts, 
He said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole like the other. Hallelujah. Praise God. Here we have a gift of the Spirit in manifestation. He didn't say the man had faith. There's no faith evidenced here. Amen? But Jesus, how did this whole thing took place? This man wasn't even asking for prayer. But Jesus saw a man in a condition he ought not be in. And he had the power, the ability to repair that, to restore that, to fix that situation. And he loved him. He loved him enough to let the Spirit of God's power flow through him even though in that moment it was going to make him very unpopular. It wasn't going to be convenient for him to do that. It wasn't going to be politically correct in that environment for him to do that. But do you see here that love is the motivation behind this spiritual action? It was the love of God that allowed, that is the more excellent way that Jesus got into that miracle flow. And I don't believe there's a single person in here that would get mad or upset, right, if, uh, you know, someone in our midst was dealing with something and was ministered to. But, you know, that doesn't mean we're perfect in this. When was the last time our hearts were really touched for the sick, for the broken, for the lame, for the one that's suffered a, a debility, you know, an injury, a debilitation. We need, if we want the we, you know, we can say, I want the power of God, I want the power of God, I, I, want, I want John Philpott, I want, I want others up and thank God. But how about just letting God's love be worked in us for, for that one that's in that situation? You know, when you read about uh, Brother Smith Wigglesworth and his ministry, there was a sweet account I read one time. You know, after his ministry got nationally known, internationally known, you could imagine people wrote him letters from all over the world. And his entire ministry was conducted out of their personal home. They didn't have offices like we do in ministries today. and Headquarters out of that little home in Bradford, England. He changed the world. And he'd have stacks of mail. And it is said of him that he would sit in his recliner for hours and open up mail and read the situations and the prayer requests that had come in and just weep, just cry, just weep and just let his tears fall on that paper and call out to God say, Oh God, touch this dear one. You see, he, you know, he's heralded and rightly so as a man who's mightily used in the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit. But listen, it gives you a little bit of insight into his heart. His heart. And I don't think maybe we're nearly as hard-hearted as some of these Pharisees. And I don't think we've graduated to A++ love and compassion people yet either. We can become just so numb and so familiar with those around us, with people around us. We're surrounded by need all the time. And if we're not careful, we can just become sheltered and so internally and self-focused that we walk by people in desperate need, maybe not physical, but financial, 
uh, uh, marital, uh, relational, you know, whatever that might be. And just not, not that we ought to walk around all gloomy all the time, but we ought to have hearts that are easily touched. Easily touched. Amen. With compassion. With mercy. With, with the fruit of a love that will meditate long enough, check their self long enough. Would you have me do something, Father? Would you have me pray something? Would you want to use me in some way? If He doesn't, just keep on going. Amen? Praise God. You know, having the privilege of being so close with people like Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Nancy, one of the nuggets that I learned is Pastor Nancy taught us this. She said, one of the things that I have found in ministering to people in meetings is that oftentimes when I get within about three or four feet of a person, the gifts of the Spirit will kick in towards them. Just that proximity. And he said, one of the ways I may not know exactly what the Lord would want me to minister. But he said, she said, one of the ways I know that I am to minister to them, not knowing what, but I'm to minister to them, is when I get within three or four feet, my heart goes out to them in love. That's my cue I've learned that I'm to stop. God has something for that person. And she has to figure that out. She has to check. She has to look to the Holy Ghost. It might be a word of knowledge. might be a prophecy. might might be laying on a hands. Who knows? But see, this notice, love is the more excellent way. You're not looking for a goose bump or a lightning rod, or a strong word from the Lord. That could all happen, right? But she, she's thought it's when my heart goes out. See, God, I'm ministering to the whole crowd. She, you know, that's, any minister is ministering to the whole body. But there's a reason your heart in the midst of that would go out towards one person. Amen. And again, don't limit this to a church setting. All of a sudden, you could be having dinner with four or five couples or something, and all of a sudden, man, your heart just goes out. Well, you don't have to get weird and all that, but you need to look for an opportunity or check, check inside yourself with the Holy Ghost for direction. And you'll find there'll be times where He's going to use you. You're going to speak a, a divine word to them in a known tongue that would encourage them, comfort them. It, you know, build them up. That's prophecy. That's the definition of prophecy right there. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? That's good. Praise God. Let me just read this. I'm not sure where I'm at. When the gifts of the Spirit are in manifestation, there's profit. It is the love of God that desires that profit to be had for that person. Remember we read that in 1 Corinthians? Chapter 12, verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man for the profit, for the profit, for the gain of all. Well, praise God. God doesn't get any benefit out of that other than the joy of seeing people have the gain. Well, see, it's love that desires 
that profit in our church, that profit to be had in your finances. Amen. In your life, in your ministry. You know, just, just in the last two weeks, I've, I've just, just heard tonight, you know, people that we know outside of our fellowship that have had devastating accidents, devastating car accidents. They're going to live, but man. And, you know, I just choose to believe somewhere, somewhere this thing could have been avoided. Listen, the gifts of the Spirit are for this. The word of knowledge. The word of wisdom. Amen. These things will bring great profit to us. Amen. It's not just for church services. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Love is what's motivating the Spirit of God to move and manifest Himself to bless and help people. Because he wants people helped in the church, edifying, edifying. When the Spirit is moving, love is moving. When the Spirit of God is moving, it's love moving. Right? 1 John 4, 8. God is love. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is God. So when He's moving, love is moving. So go back to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, said, earnestly desire or covet the gifts of the Spirit, the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. So we see here Paul saying that earnestly desiring the gifts is good, but developing in the love of God is even better. Amen. Amen. And I wrote this down, right motive leads to right manifestations. A right motive leads to right manifestations. You know, again, going back to the healing revival of the 40s and 50s, one of the things that Brother Hagin observed is that some of these ministers, one night would operate by the gifts of the Holy Ghost, and the next night they'd be operating by a familiar spirit. And that minister evidently didn't even know the difference. That's pretty sad. One day you're ministering by the unction and inspiration and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the next night, you're yielding to a demonic, familiar spirit. You don't know the difference. He said the reason they don't know the difference is because they've so leaned on gifts, they've neglected the Word. Their ministry was entirely based on the gifts of the Spirit. You should never base anything on the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are never to come first. The Word always comes first. You see, these things manifest as the Spirit wills, and these people were so dependent on the gifts of the Spirit, when they got out there and you had a big crowd, and the Holy Ghost wasn't moving that way that night, they felt the pressure to perform. So they pressed it when the anointing wasn't there, and a demonic spirit accommodated them in that situation. The gifts of the Spirit are never for you or I or any minister to get up and perform in front of people. I was ready, prepared at healing school at the end of the teaching time to minister to lay hands on the sick. I checked, I checked, I checked my heart, I checked my heart, and I just hadn't had any unction, any leading, any anointing to go that way. In my mind, I wanted, but there's just no anointing there for that. So I just said, I don't, I'm just being honest. I just don't have, evidently that's 
You know, and that's, that doesn't mean we missed anything. But Dr. Dufresne, I'm glad he did. He, he taught us that would pay attention. Uh, it's not about performing. Being a prophet, people, people come in, know you're a prophet. And they expect you to perform. Get up and prophesy to everyone. You ever give everybody a word. See, people like that, they're so ignorant about the prophet's ministry. God bless them. I don't know how many times that over on, uh, when we were at Concord, Dad would come in, he'd teach Dr. Dufresne out of that prophet's office and people would catch me in the back or at the next service say, you know, Dad, Dr. Dufresne, he just really didn't, didn't flow in that prophet's ministry, did he? I just shake my head. He taught out of that prophet's office the whole night. But see, if, if he doesn't stand up and wave his hand and call people out and have words of knowledge and that kind of thing, they don't think the prophet was on it that night. Now, there are degrees... Amen? But you shouldn't, you know, you can come in and really get a service off. Even sitting there. You don't have a part in the service in, in a functionary role with a mic, but you're, you come in with this demand. Word, word, word. And you, you're putting this demand out there in this atmosphere. You shouldn't do that. Remember what we agreed on Sunday? We come to church, we want to experience God, and we want God to have His way. Not my way, His way. Right? His way. Not my way, His way. So don't come in and put this undue expectation. You ought to come hungry, but don't, don't put a hungry for and don't define it. That I want to roll on the floor today, and it's not going to be a good service if I don't roll on the floor. Listen, I'm all about rolling on the floor if that's what good. You've seen me fall off this thing, roll around. Amen. But I'm not into making stuff up. I'm not into demonstrations of the flesh. If you see me doing something look kind of funny, you know it's God. <laughs> that goes against my makeup, my nature. But I want to be yielded. You see what I mean? Yes, we come hungry. We come with an expectation. Amen. And that God's going to meet me. He's going to minister to me. And He may use me to minister to others. But my hunger is for God to have His way. And let Him fill in the blank. So that we don't put undue wrong ingredients in the atmosphere. Amen. You know, I've been around uh, people. And I got around them. And I picked something up. And I said something to them about what I picked up. And it was, I picked it up supernaturally. But then I got off in the back room and God rebuked me. I said, I didn't tell you to prophesy then. You just got around them because you're spiritually sensitive. You picked something up, but I didn't instruct you to say anything to them about that. You check with me. See, here's where a lot of people get goofy. They think because they, they sense an anointing. They sense an anointing that they're supposed to do something with it. I'm supposed to say something. you got to learn, right? Nobody's bad, but I had to learn. He said, check with me. He said, I may just let you know something for your own pastoral knowledge so that you're aware. But you don't say anything to him until I tell you to. You ever been in a service 
I'm sure you have. We've been in one of some of our and you could tell. You could tell it's going to go a certain way. You just tell. That doesn't mean I'm supposed to make it go that way. That doesn't mean you're supposed to make it go that way. I've made these mistakes with guest ministers before, and, and, but I think, I think God has a spiritual father more seasoned than me to teach me these things. He said, son, son, you brought me in. Don't pull the trigger. You could load the gun, aim the gun, but you brought me in. Let me pull the trigger. You get up and you sense that anointing. It's, you know, we're, we've come in, we've prepared, so that's part of it. And then Dr. Dufresne, or this guest ministers brought what they have. And man, there's an anointing to prophesy, and I get up and prophesy. Well, that's, and then the guest minister doesn't have anything left to do, and that's what we brought him in to do. I've, had, you know, I've heard of, not me personally, I didn't never take it that far, but other guest ministers say, well, you just go on and take it. I mean, you don't need me. God's done everything He wants to do. I'll just take an offering. See, you don't learn these things until you learn these things. In one of our services last year with Reverend Marty Blackwelder, you could tell in one of those services, man, it was, the anointing was getting high in praise and worship. The celebratory, it was getting high. And, and Reverend Marty, this is my first meeting with him, he turned to me and said, don't let it get too high, it's not time. He hadn't even been up yet. And I, I wouldn't offended at that. I appreciate that. The first opportunity I had, I took it from the praise team. We took it down. See, a service is supposed to build. A service is supposed to have sequence, and you could, you could get to a climax too quick. See, I'm grateful that we can, I wouldn't plan on talking about that, you know, today, but that we can talk about some of these yeah. things. We have, a, we have a guest minister coming. We want to be skillful. Skillful as we can be. And so again, you can sense that there's an anointing there for something. That doesn't mean you're the one. Doesn't mean you're not the one. It means you better check. You better look. And if there's someone that outranks you in that service, you want to do what you can to make sure it's okay with them. I mean, even though it's my building, my church, my services, when I, when I invite Dr. Frank, I turn it over to him. It's his service, and I'm submitted to him. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Trying to. Believe the Lord's helping us. Amen. Praise God. So, how can we close this, Lord? What, what should we do here? Praise God. I've said some of this. Um, well, going back to love, let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. We'll shut this down here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the first few verses of this chapter, verse 13, you know, you could have, you could speak heavenly language. Languages, right? If you don't have love, uh, love, you're just a, an annoying sound. And you could have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, have revelation, and have all faith that mountains get removed. But if you don't have love, what are you? You're nothing. You're nothing. Heaven's not impressed. And over the long term, people won't be impressed either. You give all your stuff away to feed the poor, but if love's not behind it, it profits you how much? Nothing. Nothing. So again, if we were to examine and try to diagnose, how come there are not more manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ, in our assemblies, our meetings, other meetings, 
Could it be, I believe it's quite possible, that we've just simply grown too cold, our compassion and mercy is too low, we're too insensitive to the needs of people, and it's not power we need, it's more love. Hallelujah. And I'll sign up for that. You know, I'll put myself on that list. I'm not perfectly developed in love yet, are you? Amen. You know, I tell you what, it's a, it's a walk of faith kind of in our home. If you were to take one of those motivational spiritual gifts tests, you know, Amber and I both, our mercy score doesn't even register on most tests. Below zero. And a lot of times they call that other category the profit category, and they just define that kind of as the hard results-oriented, you know, kind of personality. Well, both Amber and I, we're off the charts high on that one. So when one of us gets attacked with a cold or something like that, ain't no soup going on, ain't no, ain't no let me get you a washcloth, baby. We walk around, get up. It's a, I don't got time you be down. Get up. Yo, urchin, you, come on, walk by. Where's your faith? It's not quite that, but we are growing, you know. Sometimes we've made ourselves, you know, we're going to act. But it just doesn't come natural to us. You know, during those times, a lot of us guys are this way. I miss my mama. Where's my mama? I want my mama. You know how mamas talk sometimes. Come here, baby. Come here, baby. No, you, you put that down. No, you're not going to work today. Tell me what you need. Miss my mama. My mom number two, Miss Peggy, she's like that. Her mercy score, it's way off the chart. So what my dad has to deal with, he'll come home and uh, he'll smell something. I mean, mm, she's cooking. What is she cooking? And uh, he'll go, honey, what are we having for dinner? And she oh, we'll just have sandwiches or something. What? What do you mean we're having sandwiches? What are you making? Oh, you know, some, some person in church, they're having a hard time, so I'm, I made them a meal. You just eat a sandwich, I'm going to take it over there too. Um. <laughs> That's just her way now. I mean, she finds somebody going through a little bit of a hard time. She won't talk. She won't be, well, I mean, man, she's who you want to have around when you're not feeling good. Don't call me. No, I'm your pastor. I make myself. I try. But regardless, you know, of how we're wired, God's love is in us. God's love is in us. And uh, as we as we move into more of what God has for us during this series. Let's let this be an emphasis. Amen. Hallelujah. Love suffers long and is kind while it suffers. <laughs> Love is patient. Love is kind. Notice it said love is never envious. God don't use me in gifts of healing. Oh, uh, uh, uh. We should not envy how God uses other people. We should appreciate it. Shouldn't be jealous over how God uses one versus another. 
right? Remember, if we were all eyes, where would be the hearing? If we're all ears, where's going to be the speaking? We don't have any feet. There ain't nobody moving. <laughs> Amen. Let's stand up tonight. Did you get anything out of that tonight? Hallelujah. Praise God.